You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, Bengals fans? Free agency is officially official now for 22. Um, we were talking about it on Monday, and it was, like, official then, but now it's official official. The, the league year is underway, and moves are being made. Not so much by the Bengals on Wednesday. A little bit quieter than the beginning part of the legal tampering period, but it is what it is. We're going to talk about that. I'm Anthony Gazenza. Joined by John Sheeran. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. John, happy Wednesday to you, my friend. Happy Wednesday, dude. Did you hear the news? Uh, Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos. It was just announced today. <laughs> crazy. It might shake up the entire landscape of that division. Oh, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. Breaking. Dun, 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 dun. We got we to have the little news <laughs> tune there. Uh, yeah, all that stuff that we've known about kind of just becomes... Uh, I don't know what you would... It, it becomes official, but it's just... A foregone conclusion and stuff we already knew so yeah that's one of one of many there are some other trades and scenarios that could indirectly and directly affect the Bengals coming up here um you know you've got deshaun watson and some different things happening there you've got baker mayfield drama in cleveland because of deshaun watson so there's a lot of different stuff going on there we'll we'll see what what uh, how it all plays out for the Bengals. but regardless the Bengals have made some moves john they're doing some things, and it sounds like they're maybe kind of letting some things sort out right now before they make their next move. That it seems to be the buzz. They are not alone in that. Going back to last year, I remember like talking to people about like if Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston, like that that will in fact happen. Like he can afford to sit out a year and forego that salary because like they're not going to just keep him forever if he doesn't want to be there. And now that's all happening right now. You have four teams that we know of that have accepted trade offers. It's just a matter of where Deshaun wants to go. And as of like 30 minutes ago, there was a report, I believe, from our good friend Mike Florio at PFT, who Best said buddy. that, yeah, great, great friend of the program, basically <laughs> said that he's still mulling over the decision and it may not come tonight. There's no specific timetable with that, but that's impacting. If not every team, most teams along with the teams that want Deshaun Watson because a lot of these free agents that are still on the market right now, like maybe they want to play with Deshaun Watson. Maybe some deals for some of those teams who want to acquire Watson. If they do not get him, they can go ahead and sign some other guys because they're not taking yep. on however much cap room it takes to acquire Deshaun Watson for this season. Free agency begins officially today, but a lot of these things were in the works for days and maybe maybe a week or two beforehand and it's a lot of pivoting based off of things that 
haven't happened or happened not to the their what what they would ideally like to happen and that kind of involved the Bengals a little bit tonight as well yes and you know there's all kinds of different things it doesn't I mean the entire the entire thought behind everything is that you know Taron Armstead a tackle for for the Saints he probably wasn't going to be re-signed by the Saints but the Saints may be in play for Deshaun Watson and if they sign it's kind of it's a domino effect deal and other teams are waiting to see what other teams do and who they are, or like you said, are not able to sign if they acquire someone in a trade, if they pick someone else up out there and other teams are waiting. And obviously the whole Leo Collins, Dallas Cowboys situation is another one that's uh, a lot of teams are just kind of sorting through. The Cowboys are being very patient after leaking the fact that they wanted to trade him. The Bengals, I would, there, there hasn't been a concrete, concrete report, but I think rumors are buzzing that they are uh, kicking around some ideas and maybe having some conversations with them. And so that's out there, but John, let's, let's just quickly, I mean, I, I, if for some reason our folks that are listening to us and there's a lot of them who are listening to us live right now, if for some reason they missed our Monday show and, or did not look, catch your day one recap with our show embedded in the, in the media portions of that, um, of that article there, Jesse Bates franchise tag. We know that. Uh, Trent Taylor, Jalen Davis were early signings in the process. And so then the Bengals get into free agency. And on that day one, it is announced that Alex Kappa and Ted Karras, two solid offensive line, interior offensive line additions, are added to the fold. And then, of course, you've got the re-signing of B.J. Hill. And then today, it's been a little quiet here um but Clark Harris does come back in the fold here and you know uh, the Bengals I think are right now as we said kind of lying in wait and seeing what what plays out for some other positions are looking at you forgot about the other offensive lineman the most important one Fred Johnson of course that's right that's right was yes. tendered with the original round uh tender um and then yeah today was special teams day for the Bengals basically because it was Clark Harris coming back on a one-year deal, continuing his crusade to become the oldest player in the NFL as soon as whenever Tom Brady hangs it up in, I guess, five years. So, And then Harris, one of the 800 Michael Thomases, right? Is that another one? That, yep. Yeah. Michael Thomas, who also has a birthday tomorrow. They signed Ted Karras the day before his birthday. They signed Michael Thomas the day before his 32nd nice. birthday. So nice. happy early birthday to one of the Michael Thomases. <laughs> but yes, backup safety guy who became a special team savant for them when Jordan Evans and Brandon Wilson got injured. So... Darren, you know, Darren Simmons Day, I guess, for the Bengals. Darren Simmons Day. And I forgot to ask you a very important question since you re- referenced him earlier, Mr. Mike Florio. Are you a fan dash reporter or reporter dash fan? How do you how do you classify yourself on that one, Sean? I'll, I'll put a reporter over a fan at this point. Um <laughs> did seem a little a little targeted. A little oh, just a little one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. There was very little subtlety there. Anyway, uh we're 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 done talking about that site and that gentleman there let's keep cruising on um we're gonna we're gonna continue on and talk talking about free agency what has happened what may be ahead we've got a free agency profile we're gonna with the what's ahead and some targets we're gonna talk a little bit uh and make it a believe it or not segment so we're gonna talk about all that kind of stuff tonight and of course before we continue on want to remind folks that if you are new here you can subscribe to our youtube channel which the icon is below John and below that SB Nation Cincy Jungle icon down at the bottom of the screen there. Click that and subscribe. 
click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We are putting up stuff regularly, so check that out. And of course, if you are an audiophile and like the audio version of the show, you can get that on every major streaming platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of them. You can get us there as part of the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, along with Orange is the New Black with Ace and Zim, Coach Speak, and Chalk Talk by Matt Minnick. And all of that, of course, is part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. So get it how you can. So what what would you... What would you give? I don't. I don't like to do grades this earlier, but what? How are you feeling about these moves so far with the Bengals? And are you a bit disappointed that they are being a little less aggressive after this big start out of the gate? I feel like that is only warranted if several names that should have been in play for the Bengals got signed. And honestly, I look at who has been signed. It's not a lot of guys that I would have pegged for the Bengals, anyways. Whether mm-hmm. it be their positions or just quality of talent. I, I think um, just recently, like Tyler Conklin signed by the Jets who took both <laughs> tight ends that the Bengals might've been interested in. And yeah. Mike Garofolo did report that the Bengals were in on signing Conklin. They, the Jets signed him to a three year, $21 million deal. I feel like him and your guy, Morgan Moses are the two guys that, that incited some type of reaction. Like, Oh damn, the Bengals probably could have used one of those guys um, because of their positions and their, their talents. So, other than that, it, it has been more low-key in the past couple of days, not just for the Bengals, but for a lot of other teams, maybe outside of the AFC North. The Steelers and Ravens have indeed been busy, and they've both been uh, getting better with free agency. But in general, like I feel a lot of the players that have been signed that haven't been impacted by this Deshaun Watson Suez Canal blockade, I feel like it hasn't really gotten the Bengals to a, a, a worse spot. If they're waiting on certain players that they're targeting, it seems like they are being more aggressive in the tight end market at this point. I think there was also a report that they were at least interested in OJ Howard, who signed a one-year $5 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. It seems like that's where their focus is at. And there was also a report from our friend Malik Wright, who said in terms of just their overall activity, they're also waiting for something to develop. We can kind of infer that's likely Lyle Collins. It could be Taron Armstead, but more likely it's Lyle over that. So I think with what they've done now, they've gotten better. Like the offensive line is undeniably better. It's not a finished product yet. They still have at least one major hole, glaring hole there, but the offensive line's better. Defense mm-hmm. isn't worse. The team itself, like it's not in a worse position than it was when the week started. And I don't know how you can look at it as a negative. I'm, I'm with you there. I, I think they have made pretty notable improvements in one of their, weakest areas which is the offensive line so i mean you got to be pretty pleased about that and yeah i mean you lose uzama you you know you lose larry ogan joby that stuff hurts but uh, I, I don't think uzama was expected to leave by most most of us here but ogan joby you figured it was either going to be one or the other between hill and ogan joby so there's there's not a ton unexpected the moses thing you mentioned that thing that bothers me is where he went and for what sure. he went for uh he went to the baltimore ravens on a three-year deal what getting five million a year so that's a that's a pretty manageable deal for a guy who could have been a a solid tackle for you it would seem but not in the cards for the Bengals. they are probably looking at a layout Collins situation i i wanted to get your opinion i'm, I'm wondering because i saw that tweet a little bit before 
we took the air from Malik right there. And I, what I don't know is, are they waiting are, when it's playing out, seeing what they play out? And you, of course your mind goes to the Colin situation. Is that, well, we have to see what, what they, you know, if they're going to accept our trade terms, or do you think that's more, more along the lines of we're waiting to see if they release him and then we try and work a deal from there? I think it's 100% they're waiting for him to be released uh, at this point. Again, the Bengals don't love just sacrificing draft capital, no matter what the draft capital is. They don't like losing a net value of picks in any type of trade deals. So I'm not even sure that they've actually offered Dallas anything, but. If I were them, I would feel confident in my ability to recruit Lyle to come in for whatever type of deal that he could expect because of all the connections there. And if that is what's holding them up from pursuing not only another offensive tackle, but any other offensive lineman in general, then that that makes sense to me. You have to think that that decision with Dallas is coming very soon. Like I know that um, someone said like a soft deadline to be the beginning of the league year, which was today, but I think Jake Lisko said it yesterday that part of his salary gets guaranteed to believe five days after the league year begins so we're looking at like the 21st as maybe the new deadline for them and they can always designate him as a post june one cut if that is the case they don't have to wait until june 1st to actually do that or june 2nd so that definitely could be the case and also anthony i think because we've seen over the past two days because they have been basically inactive aside from just a couple of, of internal resignings. There's been a, a more of a pessimistic uprising since Monday amongst Bengals fans. And I think that's because of just the AFC in general. It's it's just like an arms race at this point. It goes beyond it's transcending beyond the AFC West. Now you have Buffalo uh, trading for Von Miller. You have both the Steelers and Ravens getting better. Like everybody is loaded up. There's now like six probable probable contenders for the Super Bowl in the conference. And I understand that, but the Bengals just went to the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that as like a lazy analysis. Like these teams are all chasing them. And the Bengals are still in a position next year to compete for the Super Bowl. It's not like they've gotten worse. They've only gotten better. So I understand that, yeah, they haven't signed a lot of guys and other teams are going out there and getting better. And the competition to get back to the Super Bowl is going to be more fierce. But these teams are chasing the Bengals. And over the playoffs, like all I saw was that oh, the Bengals are the best team here. You know that they have the they have the best team. They have the best chances and everything. Th- those things can't contradict if you're now scared of all these other AFC teams kind of coming for the crown because the Bengals are wearing the crown right now and they deserve to be. They do deserve to be. It is very. Uh, that was one of the things I was going to actually bring up, and you read my mind there about what the AFC teams and what. The, the already the pretty good AFC teams from a year or two years ago, what have you, the Ravens, the Steelers, the you know the the Bills. I mean, a, a lot of teams doing a lot of work in free agency to help themselves here. So yeah, the Bengals they are at, at the top of the AFC mountain, so to speak. But uh, they they got to start doing doing some more things as well. They've they had a nice start and then kind of quieted off a little bit to free agency. I want to bring this up to you, John, because. This is starting to get a little bit of buzz, and this is from Jeff Hobson over at Bengals.com, and I will pin this in the live chat for everybody to grab a look at that. This The, the article largely was about B.J. Hill returning to the Cincinnati Bengals, his press conference, et cetera, but here's the, here's the line here. I highlighted it. They may also be looking for a cornerback or two and maybe another defensive tackle, and offensive lineman down 
the line. What did you make of this? Who kind of comes to mind a little bit when, you know, at the, on the top of your head, as you think of possibilities for the Bengals, I like uh, the corner, um, the corner from Carolina, potentially. Um, yep. I, I, you know, I think that could be a good fit. And obviously the Bengals, they, they have knowledge of him because when they played him a few years ago, he had two interceptions against him back in 2018. So he's got to know defensive tackle. We know that that's probably, um, you know, a, definitely another three technique of some kind is what they're going to need. It sounds like uh, I did not see it come across, uh, but it sounds like Tupo might be coming back here. So they've got some defensive tackle help as well coming with BJ Hill. I don't know. What did you make of all this? Yeah, I can see Tupo coming back, and that's what he alluded to, and that could just be their defensive tackle signing. It's hard to imagine they're going to go out and spend another like six, seven million on a defensive tackle to play in tandem with BJ Hill when they're likely to draft a three technique. Yeah. Anyways, I do see them eventually signing a cornerback. I think Dante Jackson makes a lot of sense just in terms of his age and his upward trajectory. Like a Stephon Gilmore would make sense too if they can get him at the right price, uh, just because he's playing on like that what fourth or fifth contract at this point and he could start for like a year or two while they groom a possible replacement from the draft i think many fans just read those last three words down the line that that um, followed offensive linemen and really freaked out at that and again it's the second week in a row that we are um putting the microscope over a jeff hobson article and trying to analyze it as best as we can when like at the end of the day like they're going to sign another offensive lineman it may not be while we're recording right now. It may not be tomorrow. It may not even be Friday, but it will come. And down the line is entirely up to your own interpretation. It's just that we are so accustomed to reading between the lines of this man's work on Bengals.com that we almost tend to take things a little bit too literally sometimes. When in reality, like if they are indeed waiting for the Lyle Collins situation to unfold, you have to think that they have alternatives. And if they're alternatives, then you have to think that Collins probably like their main target if everything goes according to plan or the way that they hope it does. So I would expect them to still add an offensive lineman, an offensive lineman that they would expect to compete or guarantee them to start at one of those positions that they've left um, open at the moment. But if people really freaked out about that because they love to freak out about Jeff Hobson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're right. I mean, poor, poor Jeff. He uh, puts a, put some stuff on, on, on paper and uh, people take it either verbatim or exactly what it down the line could be, you know, a day or two. I mean, it, it could mean a lot of different things. But. I think he just purposely leaves it open to interpretation though, because like his job is not to explicitly lay things out the way that like you would expect it to be like, that's what he did with the salary cap projection too. That was just a literal yeah. translation of what their current cap situation was. He didn't have to explain all the, the context and the nuances. Like that's not his job and that's not really what the team wants him to do anyways. But we continue every single year to overanalyze what this guy says because time and time again, it's proven that he does have a, a beat on what they're doing. Well, we're going to move into some different targets and a little have a little fun with it with some believe it or not before we do john was there anything i missed that we need to be covering here before we have a little fun in the next segment here not that this one wasn't fun but you know you know what i mean no i think i think we covered everything that did happen i will say though like the the whole bj hill versus larry ogunjobi debate was fun but now seeing the bj hill 
Jermaine Pratt bromance beef kind of play out on Twitter. I'm, I'm really glad that that's sticking around and we get another, at least another year of that, that Pratt's still in a contract for one more year. That's been really fun to see on Twitter, them kind of going back and forth. So I'm really glad that that is still a, a current thing that Bengals fans can enjoy, even with CJ Uzama coming, kind of going out the door. So maybe he'll kind of ascends more as like this leader or maybe like a voice of the team that he wasn't really last year because he was only here for like a one-year deal yeah those two are buddies man i mean they're just they're (laughs) clowning each other they're goofing around it's it's pretty fun and man if you saw that press conference with bj hill dude dresses sharp that was a a sweet jacket a shirt combo he had going on there dude dressed real sharp for that press conference uh chef's kiss on that outfit there uh, BJ Hill. All right, let's get into it. We've got some fun, different things to talk about in a believe it or not. We're going to form some questions, volume back and forth to each other and have a little fun. Let's start with the offensive line. The Bengals sign uh, Kappa and Karras, and presumably that's going to be your center and right guard starters there. But with a down-the-line signing and with some center free agents now and still available, Bozeman, Treader, etc., two AFC North guys, do you foresee a possibility wherein the Bengals see those guys and maybe let their market fall a little bit as more time passes and they say, hey, let's play Karras, who is graded better as a left guard. Let's play him as our left guard. Let's get a Treader. Let's get a Bozeman and roll with those three interior offensive linemen. And sorry, 2021 rookies, we're not going to let you. Well, you can fight for a spot, but those are our interior linemen. I do not want to take credit for this. Um, I, I don't remember who said it on Twitter, but someone had the perfect comparison, and it was 2020 when Von Bell was still on the market like a week after free agency opened that year they signed them to a pretty modest deal and I don't think anyone any one of us expected them to go out and get a three-year deal for a starting safety that year but they did it because Bell was still available on the market I could so see that with Bradley Bozeman I believe that like at the very minimum they were interested before free agency began his market never materialized anywhere close I guess to what it was projected to be I believe there's one report that said that like out of all the players here at the combine, it's Bradley Bozeman getting the most buzz. And here he is four days into free agency, still unsigned. If he continues to just kind of kick dirt there and Baltimore doesn't bring him back, which by the way, Baltimore doesn't have a replacement for him on the roster, despite all of their spending. So it's possible that Bozeman returns to Baltimore, but if he doesn't, like I don't think that they're going to be that aggressive to fill left guard in free agency. I think it's right tackle or, or bust for them. But if, Bozeman is still available like in the next coming days his price is only going to drop more and that just could be something that they feel like is too good to pass up that's great that's exactly what I was going to say it's one of those things where they're probably not pressing for it and they are comfortable with Karras at center and letting the young guys you know probably Deontay Smith and and Jackson Carmen battle it out maybe for the left guard spot they're probably comfortable with that scenario. But if it just becomes a situation where it's like, this guy's here, he can help us, and the money is right, we're, we're going to spring for this. We're going to see what can happen. And then it may even work out even better for your offensive line. I'm not the biggest Bradley Bozeman guy, but 
you would think that Bozeman at center, Karras at left guard, and Kappa at right guard, that that really solidifies things on the interior of your line, which was a pretty weak area, and that's being generous with the statement last year. So I don't I don't see them rushing to it. I don't see them pressing with it. I think they are going to be good either way where Karras plays. But I think if it just like you said, if the market doesn't materialize for the for Bozeman out there, they may say, "Wow, this is just too good of a situation to to let let go here." Yeah, and it would be at a price that I think everyone would be more comfortable with. Like the whole thing was that Bozeman four years, ten million a year. That's probably a little bit too much for who he is and what his potential fit in the Bengals scheme is. But if it's like a one year deal or if it's like a, a modest three year deal, that's a lot easier to swallow. Let's go to. Let's try to tie at tight ends here because the state of New York, or I guess New York and New Jersey, is just swallowing tight ends at the moment. You have Oche Howard going to the Bills on the one-year deal, uh, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama going to the Jets, and I believe like 10 minutes ago, the Giants signed Ricky Seals-Jones, who Malik Wright pegged as a guy that could, like at least Malik was interested in him, but I kind of took that as the Bengals were also interested in him as well. So this is the night that we're recording is tight end night, apparently. And the market yeah. is quickly drying up. And there's Gerald Everett, who still remains. And a guy that we talked about is a guy that could be signed for a multi-year deal with the Bengals because there's interest. But let's just say that Everett goes someplace else. And the Bengals are kind of left out of the tight end market. Like, believe it or not, the Bengals go into the draft with a glaring need at tight end because they feel like they just have to get right tackle and cornerback figured out. And they just kind of missed out on these tight ends. If they miss out on Everett, I believe it. I mean, there's some others out there. I think Max Williams also got signed on on yep. Wednesday as well. So, yeah, I mean, there there's some other guys out there. I think uh, that, that could be floating out there. But you know, Austin Hooper, I think was is he still available? He was, I think, uh, floating out there on on Wednesday too. So, I mean, I, there, there's some names out there, but none that to me Everett just makes the most sense at this point. Um, I, I don't know that he's ever going to you know, provide you with Jimmy Graham, prime Jimmy Graham numbers or anything like that, but he can replicate a lot of the production that was there from CJ Uzama. And that's not, I don't mean to take away from that, but if you look at Jarrett Everett's stats, nothing really jumps out at you yards wise, uh, touchdown wise. However, he had the most touchdowns of his career. I believe it was five this last season with Seattle. And that's with Russell Wilson out for a handful of games. Right. So, I mean, he can play. He's 27, I think, at this point. Uh, maybe going to be 28 by the time the season rolls around. So he's a guy that just makes a former Rams guy, you know, in the system and all of that. This makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and, and with the Rams, too, going back to my point about the stats, he was a guy down the pecking order in terms of targets. That was the, you know, uh, you know, the wide receivers, Woods, et cetera, were, were in Cook, uh, were, were the guys that were getting a lot of touches at that point in time through the early part of his career. So, um, look, I, I, that's just a guy that I think makes a lot of sense, but if they don't get him, they'll probably get somebody, but it's still at that point would be a pretty big pressing need going into this year's draft. I would think. Yeah. And I guess another guy that we haven't really touched on Austin Hooper is also available. He just got cut by the Cleveland Browns right. today. Um, to be honest though, like I feel like Everett kind of moves the needle a little bit more because of the athleticism component. I don't believe that Hooper was ever really utilized as this vertical thread in Cleveland. He was definitely locked on uh, to Baker Mayfield's eyes for most of the season, but with that came a lot of drops and 
just not very solid production. I don't believe that Browns fans were too um, shaken with the fact of letting him go. So he might sit on the market a little bit. I want to follow that up with kind of a two-parter again on the tight end position. This is from Bengals and Brews from a couple of buddies of ours, Dale and the Orange Arrow, who have started a new show. So go check out Bengals and Brews, a cool podcast there. And they are, what are your thoughts on Wilcox? I went down to University of South Florida t- uh, tape rabbit hole today. That was kind of one of the things we talked before we took the air, John, about Mitchell Wilcox. Here's the thing, and this is going to be a little bit of – the Florio fan slash reporter, one part of the question. Number one is how viable do you think Wilcox is? Not necessarily as your number one per se, but as a guy that, you know, if you've got sample in an H-back role, a little bit more of a blocking role, that sort of thing, you bring in one of these veteran tight ends, and then you've got Wilcox as maybe a guy who's a second tight end who can help you out here and there. Um, I mean, do, do you buy into Wilcox being a guy that could help you out on offense or uh, here's here's another wild one because there hasn't been a lot of at least I haven't seen much on him. But is there with Ricky Seals Jones, the guy who was just uh, signed? He was a wide receiver. Yeah, trans you know transferred to a tight end. Is there any scenario in your mind with Mister Auden Tate where uh, this this the the fans clamor for this every year, right? Auden Tate. Make him a tight end. Um, so I, I sort of kid about the second part of that question, but that's going to be a question that a lot of fans are kicking around. And of course, the Wilcox one. Tate, Tate is gone at this point. I don't I foresee agree. a situation where he's coming back. And they had four years to do that with him, and they, and they just they just didn't. Right. I feel terrible for anyone who felt compelled to go down a USF tape rabbit hole at any point in their lifetime. <laughs> I'm really sorry to you, Bengals and Bruce. Um, I really hope that tomorrow's a better day for you. But no, I don't. I, I think Wilcox is what he is. And I think they like him to keep him on the roster as a special teamer. But I, I just don't foresee him being anything more than really a backup in the NFL. You can force feed him targets. And maybe he does have an extra gear of athleticism that we don't really know about. Maybe, like maybe that was the case at USF. But at the end of the day, you have to know what to do when you're out there. You got to run the right routes. You have to have timing with their quarterback. And that's kind of hard to do if you don't really have a ton of experience going into this coming season. So I think he's fine to compete for a roster spot and, and have value on special teams. But beyond that, I wouldn't count on it. No. The, the Tate thing, I say a little tongue in cheek and semi joking, obviously, because that is a topic or a question that fans ask us and kick around every single off season. The Tate is here. Um, obviously, you know, catch radius size, lack of true wide receiver speed, et cetera. And, of course, there's a little bit of some rumblings with the Bengals wanting the next tight end that they bring in to be a little bit of a downfield threat and whatnot. So when you have that wide receiver slash tight end hybrid potential, I guess, that you think is there, that's why the topic is there. But I agree with you. That's not that's not a project the Bengals are going to take on. They're going to go get a more true tight end. And I think the Auden Tate stuff, I liked him. There were some spectacular catches in his time in Cincinnati, but I think he is moving on. And I like Wilcox. Um, I, I think a couple of years ago as a rookie, I had him as a potential breakout player, whatever that would have meant at the time. Didn't really do much as a rookie. And then, of course, this year had a little bit of a more uh, a more prominent role in, in some things. But um, I, I like the prototype. He had some touchdown catches at USF, but 
I don't, I, it's not one, it's not a guy I'm relying on as a heavy hitter this year, I, I, unless they, they see something in practice and whatnot that they're willing to bank on. I'm just not, I'm not sold on it. I think they need a veteran presence and probably another athletic, maybe a project type in the draft. Yeah. And it's hard to rely on these rookies at that spot anyways. So expect something to happen. We just don't know what is going to happen. But let's go back to the offensive line a little bit. Collins is obviously the main topic on everyone's mind, but it's just a waiting period for that to happen. Beyond Collins, there's still some other decent options out there. And really, at the end of the day, like it's not just about it's not about getting just notable names to fill in these spots. It's just about getting good players, improving the roster in general. And it's really just about relativity relative to who they had last year. Alex Kappa is a phenomenal upgrade at right guard relative to the first half of what Trey Hopkins was out or Ted Karras, excuse me, is a very good center. And that's really all that matters when it comes to the next right tackle. And even if they don't get Collins, they can still get a relatively the same relative upgrade at that spot compared to Isaiah Prince and the the ending of Riley Reeves. So believe it or not, regardless if it's Collins or not, the Bengals get the same level of upgrade at right tackle like they did with Kappa and Karras. The same level of upgrade. I I don't know that I believe that. I don't know that I believe that. I, I think, you know, if they were they may work out something with Collins and then, you know, that would prove me wrong. Um, there, there, we're going to a little bit of a spoiler alert. Someone we're going to talk about as a free agent profile might be an option for the team that is a reef esque, a little bit younger type of type of player or acquis potential acquisition that they could use. That would be a marginal upgrade uh, at, at right tackle and or bring you what a lot of what Reef did last year before he got injured. So I, you know, Collins is the is the one where I say you know that that would be the outlier here. I just feel like what little we do know about the inner workings of the layout Collins and what we've heard rumor wise and how that how Dallas may be potentially releasing him, looking at low picks, all this kind of stuff, and then enter the, the New England Patriots into that discussion. I, I just kind of feel like the urgency hasn't really been there so much for the Bengals. At least that's my perception. They may like the player. They may like the idea of bringing in Collins. The urgency just does not necessarily seem to be there. I feel like if you really wanted to make this deal, you would have, if it's being portrayed, if it is the way that it's being portrayed in these in the rumor mill, they would have probably made that deal by now. So he is the outlier though, but I think it's more going to be a lateral or, or slight upgrade from the reef situation last year. Yeah. I think there's two angles of urgency that needs to be looked at here because you're right. If like there's nothing stopping them from giving Dallas the best possible offer here in, in a trade, even if like they didn't have concerns about his hip or a suspension or anything else. Like if they really wanted Collins, they could get him just like any other team, but just like any other team, that's not happening right now. I think in, in my mind, when I think of urgency, I think of like last year with Carl Lawson, where Lawson took a deal that was better than the Bengals offered with the Jets. And then very soon after that, it was reported that they were going in on Trey Hendrickson. That deal wasn't done, but then they sweetened the pot a little bit and got a deal done, I believe like an hour after Lawson. And I think 
if, if there's any position outside of tight end right now, which which is another example of that. Like if they're in on these guys, OJ Howard and Tyler Conklin, these guys are going off the board. I think that in itself increases the overall urgency to get somebody there, which is why you could see a deal with Gerald Everett. Like they, they may not go off of their original offers with these guys. So they, they typically stand put. And that's why sometimes they lose out on guys like Conklin and Howard, if they actually ended up making an offer to Howard. But when the chips are down and like their options are basically limited, like look at what they did last year with Riley reef. Like he was the last possible upgrade at tackle that they could have had. And they took him out to a nice steak dinner and basically had the entire team try to try to court him to get a deal done. Like when they, when they are up against the wall here to find an upgrade, I do believe that they do show a sense of urgency there. So if they do miss out on Collins, I think they will act quickly to get the next best option to pivot and all and, to get the next alternate because I truly don't think that they're just content with the offensive line signings they have now. They might be patient. They may not want to completely go off of their spot right now because they're not being forced to do so. But that, I mean, the clock is ticking right now. And if it comes down to it, I think they will be urgent at some point. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, I've got maybe one more. And of course, if you've, if you've got more, John, let's, let's keep rolling with it. Let's but, wrap this um, up with you though. I, I, I'm, okay. I'm putting you on the spot. Last Okay. One. Okay. Cornerbacks. The Bengals are going to sign two pretty well-known name cornerbacks, whether that's Dante Jackson from Carolina, maybe a Stephon Gilmore or someone else out there. And the caveat is that one of those two is going to be Eli Apple. What do you think? Ooh, I, I, I do think that Apple's coming back at this point, just because where else is he going to go? I, like, I he's not going to command a starting contract from the Bengals, just like he wouldn't be able to do so with any other team. But I don't think they want to go into the draft with Eli Apple being the starter. And if they do, like you can basically pencil in cornerback to be the first round pick at that point. I, I think their, their thoughts on Eli is it's, it's always been what it is. Like they like him. They seem to have confidence that he can play in Anarumo's scheme. And he seems to have a good rapport with Anarumo in general. So they got the very most out of him, and I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to bring him back on a one-year deal to give him the role that he was supposed to have this year and to be the fourth cornerback, the first cornerback off the bench. It just so happened that he lasted on the field because he had to be. I don't think you're going to get that same production out of him, but I think he's earned another one-year deal just to fill in for depth. So, yeah, I, I do see him coming back at this point as being one of those two cornerbacks. I, I like Chuck. Two six two fours comment here. I'm, I'm okay with Apple as a CB four. We definitely need a CB two right now. Um, yes, that's kind of the the situation. Obviously, given what we think is happening with cuts and who's available and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yes, and and quite honestly, Apple that was the plan initially when they signed him last year. He was going to be CB four, CB five, and instead, because of the Wayne's injuries, he was pressed into starting action. Struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, started picking things up in the middle of the year, and then was actually a pretty valuable guy in the postseason. Had a couple of issues, obviously, in the Super Bowl, but I mean, overall, I, I think he overachieved for what the expectations were and the role in which he was placed because of injuries, John. And so, I mean, I, I think Chuck is kind of saying what we're both saying right now in terms of Apple as a depth guy. That's fine, but you need to kind of get another guy on the boundary. Yeah, I mean, you have no issues if you la- if the 2021 version of Eli Apple is your fourth cornerback. That's a pretty strong cornerback room. And luckily for the Bengals, the cornerback market has been pretty quiet 
and even the top guys are not getting paid as much as we expected them to. So that kind of works in their favor, which which is another reason to kind of wait on that. If it's the tight ends going tonight, then you know cornerbacks and other offensive linemen can kind of continue to wait and see their prices drop a little bit. Yeah, and one of that's a nice segue to out of believe it or not and into our free agent profile. One of the other markets that's been a little surprisingly quiet. I guess some people are waiting on the Leo Collins thing. Taron Armstead is waiting on what's going on with him. And there's Trent Brown out there. There's a lot of tackles that you would think that would be real quick to come off the shelf, so to speak, that have not. And one such player that is out there at the position is a guy who was recently cut by the Buffalo Bills, and that is Daryl Williams. And Daryl Williams is a guy who, you know, he's, he's kind of in the, the little bit of a younger Morgan Moses mold a little bit in terms of what, what this situation would be for the Bengals. Now, what's interesting about Williams is he's been a tackle. Um, there are a lot of things I like about him, uh, a lot of things wherein he is a guy who has played in a lot of high-profile games. Um, in terms of postseason games, he played some with, with the Panthers, played some with the Bills, etc. Um, but you see here, 6'6", 330. I say tackle guard because he actually played, I believe it was nine nine games last year at guard as well as tackle. So he's he's a tackle by trade, but played a little bit of guard last year. Um, and then here's the, the, the pros. He's been pretty steady for the most part throughout his career. Uh, you can see there he started 50 of the last 54 games, so he's pretty durable, especially as he got up there in age. Um, he's a cut player, so it doesn't affect the compensatory pick formula for the Bengals going forward. As we know, the Bengals were not awarded picks, so they usually love those. And uh, going forward, that wouldn't affect them. And like I said, I'm, I said nine. It was eight starts at right guard last year. So potential, versatility, the cons. I mean, age sort of. He's, he's, uh, he's 30 right now. Um, a contract is, is it going to be a rental deal or a lucrative contract that he's going to get? You know, the more he's sitting out there, he just got out of a lucrative deal. So those are some of the things that you look at with him, but this is a guy, John, you know, we've, we've talked about Morgan Moses. We've talked about some of these other, you know, Riley Reefish type of players. This is kind of one of those guys a little bit. And of course, if you get in a pinch at guard or what have you, he can maybe do that a little bit for you since he played there last year. Again, not a, you know, one of those, oh, blockbuster deal type of things, but a guy that you feel like could do a lot, you know, do some, give you some help on that offensive line and uh, give you a veteran presence, a, another bridge guy, a little bit younger than a Moses, a Reef, that sort of thing, and could help you out right away. I really don't understand why Buffalo released him, to be honest with you. Like the whole thing that you mentioned that he played both guard and tackle last year, and I wanted to get clarity on that. And, Basically, it was they tried to get Spencer Brown, who I believe was a either rookie or second year player. They tried to get him on the field and they placed him at right tackle. So they moved Darrell Williams to right guard, which he had prior experience to, I believe, in Carolina, which is his first team. And he ended up going like back and forth and back and forth throughout the season. And it ended up being pretty decent, like the PFF grade kind of signifies that. But going switching positions on every two to three weeks like that is just not ideal for anybody. I don't care who who you are like that that's a lot of change it's a lot of variance there so i don't really take him getting cut off of that season i'm take i don't put that as like a negative for him i, th- I think you're right the negatives are 
He's going to be 30 this year. I think he turns 30 in August. You're probably mm-hmm. not signing him to more than two years at this point. He might just take another one-year deal just to get back into the market next year. And the good news for that is he was really good with Buffalo on the one-year deal, and he turned that into a three-year deal. Yeah. And Buffalo released him after just a year. So it's it's been a lot with him in the past couple of years, but I, I do think that he's definitely more than capable of, of being a quality starting right tackle. And I'll go as far as, as to say... If the Bengals don't get Leo Collins, I think that is the pivot right there. I, I think because there were rumblings last year that if Darrell Williams made it to the open market, he was re-signed by Buffalo before legal tampering began, I think the Bengals would have had interest in him. And I think that was like the reports that were coming out. And it just makes total sense. So if they're waiting on Collins, if it doesn't work in the, into their favor, I don't think that Darrell Williams is garnering a ton of interest right now. If, if that was the case, he probably would have been signed soon after Morgan Moses went. So... I can honestly see Daryl Williams being Daryl Williams being in stripes if Lyle Collins goes somewhere someplace else. Another tidbit that I I just in looking at him I didn't really connect the dots here, but uh, played at Oklahoma was not there when Joe Mixon was was playing, but was there when Samaje Pirine was a was a young player there. So I mean, if you want to say he's blocked for some of the running backs for the Bengals, et cetera, I mean there, there's kind of a weak connecting of the dots there, but there's something there i suppose and just a guy that again it's it would be something steady i don't know if if the contract would resemble some my assumption that it would probably resemble something that moses got maybe a little bit more lucrative because he's a little younger um but like you said i kind of feel like he got he got a little screwed by buffalo um because you know he kind of did everything they asked him to do playing interior playing you know i mean it's and then he signed this big deal and then they, they cut him a year into the deal and then they go and, you know, spend the money on Von Miller and OJ Howard and these other guys. And he's kind of left out there flailing a little bit. I, I just, I feel like it would be a solid move for the Bengals at right tackle. If the Leon Collins thing doesn't work out, if they feel like maybe things are a little too expensive with some other players out there, this is a, this is a good option. Another parallel here, the last uh, Buffalo bill offensive lineman who signed a three-year deal to only get cut like less than a year before then was quit in Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played. So Williams got there in 2020. That's the off season that Spain signed that extension. And then I guess they only played a handful of games before Spain got benched and they're released. But I mean, Spain has to know Darrell Williams and if, if that might just be a loose connection, but I'm sure the Bengals can call up Spain if they're still in negotiations with him to bring him back and say, Hey, what do you think about Darrell Williams? Would you like to play with him again? Stuff like that. They can get a, very personal report on Williams. I don't think there's any coaching connections. Zach Taylor is from uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Like he grew up an Oklahoma fan. So I'm sure he's got connections with your, with the the university and whatnot, but that might be also pushing a little bit. So there are some loose things with Darrell Williams, but I do believe that there was interest last year. There's that parallel with Quinn Spain. And yeah, I, I would say that Williams would be on the short list of options. They're looking at a right tackle right now. How would you feel if it's, about the Bengals' offensive line, conceivably, if it's Jonah, one of the two rookies from last year, battling it out at left guard, you've got Karras at center, Kappa right guard, and then you have Daryl Williams at right tackle. How much better would you feel on that offensive line as opposed to last year? Wait, who, who did you say was a left tackle? Jonah. Oh, okay. I thought you said someone else. Yeah, I feel really good about that. Like, I mean, that's 
That's at least four. At least I think I said Jonah. Did I not? Yeah. <laughs> I said Jonah left guard. Uh, who's left no, guard? No, no. The, the rookies. The rookies battling it out at left guard. Gotcha. Deontay Smith gotcha. and Jackson Carmen. Yeah. I mean, on, I think that's a very realistic prediction right there. And I think fans are going to talk themselves into it uh, when the draft comes around as, a, as an improved offensive line. I, I think that's a fair argument to make. It's definitely a better offensive line than they had going into last season. Because you last year you had... Xavier Suofilo, Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith battling for both guard spots. And this year, you only have really two of them with a year under their belts, both of them battling for one spot. And the other four spots are filled with solid, capable veterans. Like that's, they were never going to be in a, in a position financially or anything, their mindset to upgrade the entirety of the offensive line with veteran free agents. They, that was never going to happen. At least one of these spots were going to be left open for the Jackson Carmens, for the Deontay Smiths to compete and develop at one of those spots. They're, they're just invested too much in Jackson Carmen to completely give up on, on him already. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to give him this year to get one of those spots. And it could be right tackle. You know, they like like we said earlier, they could pivot to left guard if Bradley Bozeman or someone like that remains available and they just see it as too good to pass up. And maybe some of their options at tackle kind of fall through. But I think they're setting themselves up to keep one of the spots open, at least until the draft. For Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, hey guys, get ready. It's going to be you two. You're going to be battling. One of you is probably going to be the starter. We're not going to give up on you yet. Well, we'll see if the Bengals end up going that route. But uh, they're they're. I, the good news is, I'm I'm a little surprised at the amount of options potentially at tackle. Yes, a guy that I thought would have been a good fit, in Moses, um, is is off the table. But I mean, there are still a lot of tackle options out there. I don't know if they're asking for the world, and teams just aren't really ready to give all that up. Um, and, and obviously people are waiting to see what's going on with Leo Collins. Taron Armstead, very talented, but injury issues there. Trent Brown is a guy that's, you know, been a, up and down and his, you know, uh, goes back to the Patriots and plays really well. And then, you know, all of that. So there's a lot of question marks with some of these talented guys out there. And I think that's what's kind of stalling teams out. But for a premier position in the NFL, John, the, the lack of guys being signed there is a little surprising. Well, the youngest guy is Trent Brown, and he comes with a lot of baggage, too. And are, do you trust him outside of New England? Like Taron Armstead, for as good as he is, he's going to be 31 this year, and he's coming off of like knee surgery. So yeah. I, 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 he will get signed for a lot of money and to be a starter and whatnot, but like he doesn't have a clean uh, resume to him entering free agency either. It's not just the Bengals who prioritize youth and free agency. It's everyone. And with offense line, especially when you reach 30, 29 years old, you're, I mean, your knees aren't where they used to be at that position. So that's just the reason why the value for that is a little bit lower than maybe a lot of people peg it to be because everybody needs offensive linemen. It's specifically the Bengals do. So there's just a premium in their minds about guys who play this position. But if you're not still in the prime of your career, you're not going to get paid like you probably expect them to. Yeah, well, that's our free agent profile this week. Daryl Williams out there, released recently by Buffalo, and a guy who could man potentially the Bengals' right tackle spot for at least the foreseeable future and really kind of bring a nice veteran presence and another option out there. I know a lot of people are just honed in on the Leo Collins situation, and I guess rightfully so, but let's not forget about this guy. I think this could be a good option for the for the team in a lot of different respects. Uh, John, I'm going to kind of tie in. We're going to get get – Moving on out of here, we're getting close to an hour. And I'm going to do a little brief version of our newest segment, which is, quote, unquote, remember when. 
and ah. we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of this and this is just looking back on some situations whether they end up being humorous whether they you, you kind of want to go back in the the old or i guess the new marvel show what if or what have you but one that came to mind uh i, I was going to go with one a couple weeks ago that seems to be really convoluted and we'll save that for another time when we got a little more time but I remember when the Bengals threw the bag at Antoine Odom and there was a story there that Antoine Odom, he, he came off a decent year with the Titans. He had, I think eight sacks uh, going into free agency. And he was a guy that the Bengals really targeted. Marvin Lewis really wanted and came to Cincinnati. There was a story. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was Jeff Hobson who wrote it that, you know, bank, basically the Bengals brain trust or coaches at the time, Marvin Lewis, et cetera, stopped him at the airport and wouldn't let him leave the airport to make sure he signed a big deal only to be released out of that deal. Uh, three seasons in with the Bengals. He did have one, one year with eight sacks, but I think about half of those came in one game. Uh, I think it was against green Bay. So I just remember when, do you remember when the Bengals just threw the bag at Antoine Odom and he responded with one big game, a bust for PEDs and other kind of stuff. Perfect example. They're urging when they want to be, when the chips are down and Antoine Odom is going through CVG, they go all out. And it was six sacks <laughs> in that very memeable game right. against the Packers. Six sacks. Against Aaron Rodgers and like his first year starter starting, it wasn't just that; it was like the, the Daniel Coates like fumble catch on like a third and longest. Like what a what a phenomenal game that was! It was it was a phenomenal. Oh my god, the Daniel Coates catch! Uh, that's another remember when for another time. Good <laughs> god! Uh, but yeah, I just you know you think back to some of these things, and you know the Bengals were looking for a, a premier edge rusher for a long time, and that was going to be a guy that uh, you know was going to help them. I think at that point they had lost Justin Smith. Um, and so they were going to try and get past that whole situation. And Antoine Odom was going to be their answer. And uh, boy, you know, what was weird to me, John, uh, and I don't want to belabor this too much, but Marvin Lewis, I, it always baffled me. Marvin Lewis was this guy who came from Baltimore that had this really diverse defense and had guys that he, he excelled at finding these tweener guys that could always these edge guys that could always get to the passer in various ways, different guys. Peter Boulware is the guy. He, he always seemed to look for that Peter Boulware guy and could never get him, whether it was David Pollock, who unfortunately had the bad injury, Odom, whoever, however he tried to do it. It, it just, Lewis can never do it. The two that come to mind to me, Dante Moak and oh, yeah. Sean Porter, who I had a Sean lot of high Porter. hopes Sean Porter. Yeah. yeah. Moak was like a – imagine being Dante Moak. That draft goes AJ Green, Andy Dalton, Dante Moak, Klimple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Porter was like I think a fourth round pick in 2013 out of Texas A&M. I want to say I think he was an edge rusher there, but he had the size of like a linebacker, and that it just mm -hmm. fit the mold again. Like, can this guy rush in a two point stance on some of these passing downs? Chris Carter, another yep. lesser known name, that was like 2017. He actually did get some production in there, but he didn't last very long because he's Chris Carter. I don't know what it was, but I mean, I think Lewis just adapted to what they had. And that was really tall defensive ends and some of these even fronts. And it worked for a long time. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's a remember when we'll, we'll have some fun looking back at some of this stuff on future episodes, a uh, little segment we're going to kick around and have some fun with, like I said, but uh, we are going to get out of here, John. I, I still, I guess my, my drop the mic here is I'm just, I'm, 
very, very eager to see what the Bengals' plan is, I think, as is everybody at right tackle. I'm very eager. I think they really need to make an impactful move there, whatever that may be, whether it's Williams, who we previewed, doing something with Lael Collins or having a lot of different fallback options. That's a that's a very, very important, um, very important position that needs to be shored up. It's not just you. I mean, just looking at the comments, comment section tonight, it's it's credit. It's incredible, man. You go from Monday, everyone is just singing the praises, to now Mike Brown is cheap again. You know how times change. To everyone yeah. though, like just just take a deep breath. Maybe log off of Twitter for a little bit. Do something that you like. Drink something that you like. Get some happiness back in your life. The Bengals. The Bengals have fifty five players on their roster right now. They have about thirteen million in total cap space. They are not going to bring in 30 rookies. They're not going to re-sign the 17 or 18 other free agents that they have on their own team. They will add guys from other teams to get to 90 men on the roster. And to the people who are asking, when are they going to cut Trey Waynes? When are they going to cut Trey Hopkins? That's also coming because they only have 13 million cap space and they need 30-something other players. These things will happen. Just let it happen. They will happen. Uh, I see a question here from, I, I think she's asking us, Christine Hill on Facebook. When are you normally on? We are normally on this time on Wednesday evenings, which would be 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. We should go about an hour or so on this deep dive analysis show where we have a lot of fun. John and I spearhead that one. We do listener questions live a couple times a month, two, three times a month on Friday afternoons Eastern So you want to check out that where you can submit questions to us. And of course, we do happen in headlines at the beginning of the week and all kinds of other stuff. We have we've had a lot of interviews as standalone shows and different things like that. So hopefully you if you're new here, hopefully you enjoy what we're doing. If you've been around for a while um, and we've got a a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people watching us live, which is awesome. And, and, you know, some subscribers on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. We're stoked on that. So if you've been around for a little while. Keep it with us if you would, and we appreciate the support. We're going to keep giving you all kinds of different content as free agency rolls around. Obviously, as the draft rolls around as well, we will be getting you more content there, so stay tuned. John, have a good week. We'll probably be talking about some different things the Bengals do here in the next handful of days and or next week, so um, let's, I guess, stay at the ready, right? Can't wait, dude. March Madness is here. That's right. That's right. March Madness is here, and that'll be that'll be fun. March NFL's version of March Madness, and men's basketball, women's basketball's version of March March Madness is here as well. Have a good week, everybody. We will talk to you soon. 